take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean, and this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couple Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple of celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created this podcast to help people learn what they can do in their relationship. And we invite people over to our home saloon, pour a drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Marshall and Heather Zweig. Heather is a movement facilitator, and Marshall is a trauma-informed coach who created his method called Truth Empowered Relationships. Guys, welcome back again to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks Thank for you. I wish there were those us. blue doors that I could push open to do this. Hey, we have it right, right over there, actually. Okay, good. So pretend I pushed it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so, you know, we say again because... We have had you guys on and we recorded and it did not come out very well. The sound was just kind of, you know, there was a, a glitch in the matrix or something that day. But uh, we were just talking before we hit record. And this is this is actually a, a good opportunity to dig deeper into what we were talking about originally. So really thank you again for doing this again <laughs> and being on our show today. Our pleasure. You know, as you say that, it, the thought occurred to me... I, you probably know this quote too. Einstein said, there are two ways to view life, to consider life. One is as if nothing is a miracle and the other is as if everything is a miracle. So when people say, what is the gift? Like we talked about before we started, well, we're going to go deeper and we're in a different situation than we were when we talked last time. So we oh. get to reflect on uh, our relationship and on life from a different perspective than we were in, what was that, three weeks ago, I think? Yeah, I think it, it's been three you know, weeks. That's, yeah. that's an awesome thought because that's the potential and the truth for all of us, right? We're always, we're a moving, living, growing, breathing entity. And so who we were even three weeks ago has changed. So you're yeah. right. It gives us this opportunity then to see what comes out of this, which is awesome. Heather and I, with a, with a longtime uh, a creator partner of mine, we have a podcast. And on there, it's, it's a conversation about conversations. So what we do is... On the current episode, we'll listen to the old episode and we'll say, you know, when you said that, so exactly like you're saying, Gene, we get to reflect on it and then say, wait a minute, something didn't make sense here. A lot like couples therapy works or couples coaching. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, for our guests, the people, well, for our, our audience who is listening to you guys for the first time, why don't you guys tell us a little bit uh, about yourselves and how you guys met? Okay. Did we tell the story last time? I don't remember. I think you uh, did. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. So you want me to go first? You're so, he's such a good storyteller and, and speaker. Yes. And I try to be a gentleman and offer her the chance to go first. Um, so in my uh, professional business life, uh, I introduced Little Caesars Hot and Ready Pizza and Benefiber. You might've heard of those products. So I'm kind of an innovation marketer marketer. And I came down with a serious case of long COVID in March of 2020. And I'm laying in bed and I can't really take on my clients. And, and I thought to myself, well, if I recover, because there was no such thing as long COVID when I got it. So people were like, are you just, come on, why don't you say you're better? And I, I had to listen to my body. Um, I said to myself, I get better. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to make a difference people with every second I have and every cell of my being. And while I was sick, I, I, I managed to keep that 
resolution with Heather and with our son. So here I am, a relationship coach, uh, almost done with my book, Truth Empowered Relationship. I live stream uh, twice, a, uh, twice a month on uh, 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 an app called Ingomu, for which I'm the chief marketing officer as well. And it's less than a dollar a day, and people can get dozens of coaches in life, work, wellness, soul categories. And why I specifically want Heather here, we'll get to how we meet after you tell you about yourself, is because uh, we've just started wanting to work in physical intimacy with other couples, and I felt like it's going to help me to have Heather there. Because I'm, I'm in a male body, and there are meanings that people make up about that. I want all, all nature genders represented, if that, may, if that makes sense. So. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what to say about myself. How do I, how do I describe me? I mean, there's movement facilitator because I believe deeply in uh, self-expression and connection with your body and leaning into how you feel. Part of what you teach is feel to heal. And that's a big message out in the world right now anyways. And I believe in that thoroughly. And um, I mean, I have a history and stuff, but it's, I don't know how to, what, what would you suggest? Did you guys see Pretty Woman? <laughs> do you remember at the end when Richard Gere climbs up that ladder and he says so what happens when the knight rescues the princess uh -huh. she says he res she rescues him right back and that's who she is through her energy her calm peaceful ocean of energy she rescues me right back I'm, I have diagnosed PTSD I'm a survivor of sexual trauma psychological traumas I went through the majority of what would be expected to be a, a life cycle without ever having the person I was meant to be with. And it was tough hanging on to my belief that there was true love on this earth. I could talk more about that, uh, but it's, that's it right there. And I know you two know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. so there are Absolutely. people like we were at a party once and this guy's walking by and he just saw us and said, Oh, you're in love. You can tell certain certain people have a different energy. They're at ease being next to each other. There's no withheld resentments. You know, it's it's a clean space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Can you guys talk about your journeys of how you got from those childhood wounds to the the process of the healing, which of course never ends. I don't think, and how you then chose to go into a space of helping others with that. Yeah. And let's, we'll come back to how we met. Um, just cause I remembered you asked that too. So when I was four, this is, this is my recollections as best I could. Uh, that's when I experienced a sexual trauma at the hands of my paternal grandmother. And when I came back, the best I could manage to put together was daddy, I feel sad. And my father said, don't be sad, son. There are people in wheelchairs. And for the next couple of decades, whenever I would see a person in a wheelchair, my penis would hurt. Uh, I blocked it out. I have a memory that would surprise most human beings in terms of its acuity. But I managed to block that out, woke up to it at 34, uh, talked to my dad about it who admitted it happened to him too, not just from other people, but from his mother. And he didn't like talking about it. And I, my nervous system was simply not capable of accepting it at that point. Uh, so I blocked it out again until 50. And it was the right time because that was the age that I met Heather. Um, way back when I started personal growth, I'm asking, I'm answering your question, Gene. So I'm, I'm bringing myself back. I was walking up the stairs. I was, I was a writer in an ad agency, as I told you guys. And I was walking up the stairs of my job and nothing was going right. My love life, my work life, my family life. It was a fucking mess. Pardon me. It's okay. You, you guys told me last time it's okay if I swear, yeah? Yeah, it, okay. it's fine. And I'm walking up the stairs, this fairly grand staircase. And this woman stops on the stairs and says, how, or no, she doesn't stop yet. She says, how are you, Marshall? I know we're very casual. Her name was Lisa. And I, I said, for the first time I can remember, 
And I'm going to explain why. I said, I'm not doing very well today. And she stopped on the stairs. That's when she stopped. And she told me about this workshop, this coaching workshop. And I am a very honest person for the next three weeks. Because I remember shaking when she's telling me about it internally. Outside, I probably looked calm, cool, and collected. I was shaking. And I lied three Tuesdays in a row. It is so unlike me. She could, I mean, you just trust me if you, if you will. It's very <laughs> unlike me. I was that worried. Fourth week I went and it changed my life. Not that one workshop, but that one workshop. The idea of opening up to, oh, I'm not necessarily my mind, my beliefs, my feelings, my thoughts. I am the witness of all of, the, of, all of what's happening. Now that didn't happen in an instant. Sitting in a workshop where I could talk about my pain did. And that's where I go back to what you said, Gene. I didn't just have to stop feeling about my sexual trauma when he said, don't be sad. My father, who had qualities that many people would love, who had a loving relationship unquestionably with my mother, uh, he also could be very difficult. And uh, I was not, not allowed to be anything but happy. I was sent to my room if I was in anything but a good mood. And I began to develop two people. This is a guy who experienced sexual trauma, is blocking it out. And when it comes up in dreams, I keep trying to repress it. And I've never explained it this clearly before. I'm glad to come back. Uh, I would have to continually be dealing with it and putting a smile on my face to go out. And pretty soon, there were two of me. There were two of me. It was, mm. I think, what, you'd, what would constitute mental illness. And I'm trying to balance that there's a me who is not liking the screaming in my family, not sometimes my immediate family, but my extended family. I don't like the way people talk to each other. In my reality, it's insensitive, it's disrespectful, shockingly disrespectful, and it is completely irresponsible. People are blaming you for their emotions and thinking they're entitled to do that. And so here's me not liking it, but thinking I can't say a word because if I do, I'll get snapped at and I'll be sent mm -hmm. to my room. So I've worked things, everything out with my mom, even though she kept telling me what a wonderful family I have and other things that would technically be, be considered gaslighting. I went into it with her. I said, hey, I have to disconnect. I'm feeling psychologically unsafe. I did that until I saw a shift, not only in my sanity, but in her sanity as well. I am more sane because I am more sensitive. It is the experience of that, the experience of having to go through the same thing with Heather, Jean, to answer your question, that makes me be the coach that I am, the person that I am. If I could walk the world, you guys, healing people, and I didn't give a crap about mortgages, I'm looking around my house, and bills in this, I would walk the earth. This is what matters to me. Love mm -hmm. and helping people experience love while they're here on this planet, period, end of sentence. Yeah, I, I can hear the, the freedom that you were able to achieve and find? I think, yeah, fr freedom and my own voice, my own mm -hmm. soul, you know? Uh, I related to a song by a woman named Tori Amos. She had a song called Silent All These Years. I remember growing up, it hit me hard. Like, I've been here, but it's been silent all these years. I would drive down the highway, uh, thinking about steering my car into the concrete median and thinking, why? Because I kept told what a wonderful family I have. Why? You have such a good life. Everything's fine. Why do you want to kill yourself? Mm. You know, and I, I'm having to widen out to these experiences. I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to be here. But because I'm here, I know how lucky I am. Well, it sounds like, you know, your relationship started at exactly the right time because you were open to it at that point. You know, we, yes. we believe that, you know, we get into these committed partnerships, not only to to be close and bonded to another human being, closer than you can be to any other human being, but to also heal our past wounds. Mm -hmm. And the only person that can do that is our partner. Yep. You know, I want to say this because I think it's a little not so popular right now. I think people are over-identifying with, I'd rather say tragedy because trauma is so overused right now, but human beings are designed to go through 
and grow through all of that kind of stuff. It's not meant to, to put us down and keep us down. And, and we have to find that inner strength in this concept of you can not just heal from it, but find the greatest passion of your life in that journey of going from the wound to the healing aspect of it. And, you know, so many people I think are like, well, I'm, I'm sensitive because I have trauma. And I, I would just like to say you also have resilience. You have resilience and there's opportunity for growth and, and healing can happen. Mm -hmm. I say both are true. I agree with everything you said, Gene, and healing can happen, but it wouldn't have happened. Just like you said, Dr. Ray, that's the other side of my jigsaw puzzle. I told you, I think I told you last time when I met her, not, well, we're going back to the other question. When I met her, her. Uh, I Googled all the, the characteristics of our interaction and up came twin flame. And I'd never heard that phrase. But when I visited her and I had the experience, it was like the end of the sixth sense. You remember when like, oh, that's why this happened. That's why, that's why I couldn't open the door. I was dead. That's why the, it was, oh, that's why this happened. Because everything, everything was leading me to meet her. And you guys met playing Euchre, right? Online. Yeah. Online. <laughs> He's not a migrant. I, I just learned, <laughs> I just learned how to play Euchre this last weekend. You did? I did. Yes. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's a great game. Can you can you see yourself whiling away whiling away an evening playing it? I don't we know did. about that, but we did play all throughout the evening. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we were camping, so we were out in a beautiful place, and you know we live in Colorado and hanging out with our neighbors and playing euchre. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. All right, I've been doing all the talking. Where can you jump in there? Yeah. So for you, Heather, right? What you you know in meeting. Marshall, was that the perfect and opportune moment for you in your life? Yes. My whole childhood, you know, generational um, abuse, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual gaslighting, um, all of the above. I, I was living in that to the point where I forgot that I was pretending in life. And so I had to take my mask off after meeting him. But something about my life was really starting to bother me to the point where I could not handle it anymore. Something had to change. And that's whenever our, our paths crossed in that teeny tiny little common area on Euchre. And it's just been nonstop shedding old beliefs, shedding conditioning, emerging as my authentic self, stepping into my emotions, embracing everything and healing one another. And you said twin flame, that's the truth. Every single piece of corner edge of me matches up with you. You heal and soothe what, what hurts in me and vice versa. And we grow from it. And, and um, our understanding of healing develops through our relationship the the way that we communicate you know it allows for us to understand other people and other perspectives and other situations and stuff and and it's incredibly supportive of uh parenting too to have this level of intimacy that we have the connection that she just spoke of came in well it was called upon because like i said we've been in a situation the last few weeks that is very disillusioning, which yeah. I happen to like the feeling of disillusionment mm -hmm. because now you know the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, behavior from people that we, I thought we could trust, but I wasn't a hundred percent convinced we could trust. They were not trustworthy in my reality. And in fact, I will say they were verifiably not trustworthy in my reality. I have texts, I have information. It's verifiable but they are insisting that their point of view is the accurate one. And this particular person uh, is a person who thinks they're being wise, like my maternal grandfather, who was a kind man, like this person. Some people think they're being wise to always tell you to work it out with people. Well, this is, and I'll take the, the, the point of view 
of the person who treated the other person with disrespect? And why don't you come to them and try to sort things out? I don't roll like that. Life is too short. What I roll with is what Maya, Maya Angelou said. If you, uh, if a person shows you who they are, believe them the first time. What I roll with is Peter Levine. I'm, I'm fairly certain you probably know who Peter Levine is, who said, if you recognize a lion by its roar, you're safe. If you recognize a lion by its breath, you're lunch. People like that don't understand. And this person happens to work with the nervous system. People don't understand. There is a reaction in the nervous system called fight or flight. And if you choose to flee in a situation, it is natural, organic, and sometimes necessary. I do not coach people to stay in relationship. I have a structure to my, to my book and to my method. I don't coach people to stay in relationship with people who continually treat them with disrespect and do not take responsibility for it and are not able to explain why they do it. Right. I don't know why someone would stay in a relationship with a person like that unless they're obliged to. Well, we would say that they're in that relationship as long as they're in that relationship because they're a lesson in it and there's a lesson that they need to learn, right? Yep. In order to heal and move on. And we always talk about that too, that our goal is never the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's that both people are whole and healthy. And if they're not, and that the law of attraction of like attracting like, if you change and the other person doesn't, then it puts stress on the relationship. And it's okay if those relationships end at whatever level they may be at. Right. Oh, uh, poetry. Thank you. Instead of try to work. You know, I got a ton from my maternal grandfather, a nice guy, but a misinformed guy in my reality. Mm -hmm. I agree. You're with, we, what we tell couples, what I tell couples is, I'm here to allow to happen what's supposed to happen. If you're hanging on because you're afraid to be alone, but you actually want to be alone, then let's create the bravery for you to be alone. If you're hanging on because you still love each other, well, that's a whole different subject matter. Right. You know, when we first spoke, you guys talked a little bit about some of the sexual healing that the two of you have had to kind of grow from in your in your own relationship. So I wonder if you can kind of expound upon that a little bit. Yeah, I can. Give me give me a second to because we actually fairly recently had a physically intimate experience and it's always conscious, sacred, and aware. Um, and there's conversation and, you know, connection continuously how do we jump into this how do we uh, well why don't we say this i told her my entire sexual history i told her my addiction to adult content video uh and i believe everything like this should be disclosed because let's face it just like you're if you're buying a car which that's not what a relationship is but i'll make the analogy if you're buying a car wouldn't you like to know if it had been in an accident before you bought it? I actually bought a car like that. I was awarded several thousand dollars by the state because it was sold to me illegally. Tell someone everything. And that way, if you're loved, you're loved for who you actually are. Hmm. Warts and all. Hmm. So I disclosed all that to her. I told her I was a survivor of sexual trauma, which as it turns out, she is as well. Yeah. And for the beginning of our relationship, we decided to sort of work around it with let's call them safe words and and go into things uh, without the conversation. But I must credit her for saying, why don't we go past this into why we want these particular things, why we have these particular fantasies. And that's where the clarity came in for me. But I remember one of my earliest experiences were, with her, I was looking in her eyes, you'll remember this. And I said, help me. Mm -hmm. Help me. Which, mm -hmm. when I was addicted to adult content video, whenever I'd open up my browser, first thing I'd type was help me. Because that's what I was, I was always, there's this rescue me, rescue me, I'm trapped, help, right? I'm, I've been giving that out for decades, since a little boy. And what did she do? And her, her arms were not in a convenient place to do this. She put her arms around me and helped me. No words were exchanged other than help me. She just put her, she instinctively knows what to do to bring me peace. But now 
we ask for it or we'll say, you know, okay, you, I said yes, but I'm not sure if it's yes. I have to, I have to contemplate. Is it really yes? Um, go ahead. Yeah, go. Well, what's, uh, what I was wanting to, oh no, you gave me the floor and now everything, everything just went out of my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so when we first started in this relationship in, in our, in our uh, physical intimacy journey, I was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I don't need any help. I'll just be here and, and show up for him. And that was very helpful in the beginning for him to unravel and realize and reconnect with everything that he needed to process. And as we started going in deeper and deeper, I started realizing, oh, I'm doing things out of like this uh, belief that that's the only role I'm supposed to play, that I'm not supposed to have any sort of pleasure in this. And, and then so he shared the same amount of uh, compassion and consideration in return for me. And we just slowed things down to the point where <clears throat> I would say, you know, I'm speaking or acting from a place of obligation because that's what I was taught I was supposed to do or that's the only role mm -hmm. I'm supposed to have. And so we would have a conversation about that. And that would be our intimacy at that point. And then it would be, okay, so I'm feeling or having flashbacks to feeling a certain way when you touch me a certain place. And that would be our intimate connection that night. And so we would slow down and then it would, I would ask. And then him, sometimes I, I have hurt feelings about the, you know what I mean? So then we yes. have to go into that part. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're that's, that's correct. Yeah. It would be a back and forth. It would be my, my reality and how it impacts your reality and your reality and, and vice versa. It was, it was a constant flow back right. and forth. And, um, and then sometimes those areas that he would touch on my body that I would have that backflash uh, from or that anger come up from, I would ask him to touch me there so that I could feel through that emotion knowing I am with someone safe. And so then I was able to work through that and, and, find my way to just this connection. I was able to work through that, that trauma response. Is that what that trauma was? response? Yeah. So now we are where I don't have the same reactions. Now he can touch me in that spot or whatever. And I don't have that reaction. Now I only feel our love and I, and I feel gratitude for his, his compassion and, and, you know, thoughtfulness and, um, and just doing that, having that safe person, that partner to do that with, it translates into all the other areas of our relationship as well. So it's not just in our sexual, physical intimacy relationship, but like every single night we have some sort of snuggle, cuddle, touch where we usually open in, up. usually some intimate touch too. Right. But where we're open energetically with one another and it, and it feels the same way as if we were uh, connecting through penetration. And right. So it's that's where we're at in this relationship. It's a constant, steady connection versus, you know, a lot of people are in relationships where there's only that physical affection and connection when they're wanting penetration connection. And, and then once that happens, it's gone. And a lot of people have been in those types of relationships, myself included, but it's not it and those are the relationships that I've had that that had the worst communication ever like that was poor communication and so it really does translate into every other aspect of our relationship to, to have that much intimacy and open honest communication yeah you know I appreciate you guys talking about this because you know this level of healing within our, our sexual bond with our partner and the intimate bond with our partner, most couples never get to. Mm. And there isn't a framework on how to do that. There isn't a roadmap. There isn't role modeling as to how to do that. There's role modeling on how to have a, a fucked up sexual life, mm -hmm. right? That You don't have to go far on the internet to find that, right? But when it comes to healing, our past 
vulnerable wounds that we have collected throughout our entire life within a safe, committed partnership, that, that is, that's a level that a lot of people never get to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I appreciate you guys talking about how you guys kind of moved through this and found this dance between the two of you. But I imagine it wasn't it, it, it didn't it wasn't as easy as you guys made it sound. No, huh. no, it, it wasn't. Not I- in the beginning, not whenever I first started saying this, you know, we had to find our groove in in the dance after a while I yeah kept, i kept having to say i promise this is you know this is the right move we need to slow down we need to slow down this far we need to talk about it in depth but i if i was frustrated that doesn't mean it was difficult you know what i mean well there were tears and there yeah. was there was frustration in yeah, it. yeah yeah but i wouldn't call it difficult i i always trusted that i always trust that she values her her needs and my needs equally and I truly believe she feels the same about me. So yeah, yeah. But even in that, there were even in areas where there may have been doubts about that, we talked about those doubts. We we're like, okay, so we're having these doubts that that this is right. That there was that uh, caring e- equally for each other's needs, and that would break open even more trauma to be healed and more mm-hmm. beliefs to to you know, dissolve and, and so I don't, uh, difficult. I think it was more about being courageous within our, within our relationship. The most courageous thing for me was, well, I had this design uh, where if we sort of did our sexual life this way, did our sexual life this way, that everything would be okay. I could function in this, you know, I, I had, uh, what what would you call uh, manifestations of my trauma? And it wasn't, she set the bar higher than that. She's like, it's not about simply being functional. It's about flowing with it. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's wise. I mean, sometimes you just meet a wise person in life. She's my wise person. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of history generationally of maybe the only touch you had as a child was inappropriate. And then you get into a relationship with someone and all of that is stored in your, in your cellular memory. Mm-hmm. And so then there's that, that you, you talked about that separate two people living inside of you, the one that has a, a need and a desire for touch, but that's been hijacked. And we have a lot of hijacking in our, in our world right now because of electronics I mean, you can be hijacked pretty quick. And then you talk about the slowing it down and finding appropriate touch with an appropriate person, appropriate nurture that ends up soothing the nervous system because you can't have an intimate loving connection if you're, if you're fried, if your nervous system is shot. And so that, that piece, you know, and, and I don't think massage therapy was was a, a therapy until fairly recently in the last couple decades, right? And and people know this that if they go get a massage, it takes 15 minutes for their brain to settle down before their and their nervous system is then functioning a little bit better and more appropriately where you can create a space for intimacy. Mm-hmm. You talk about those couples, the only thing they do is they they have that that aggressive type of sexuality and then no touch and no talk and no bond and no connection. And so it's, it's like that double person inside of you that wants to show up and doesn't know how, and it's a big secret inside of us mm-hmm. until we share it with another human and we get wounded through relationship and we heal through relationship. And most couples you were talking about a pattern of that. And that's a big part of, things that we teach people about touch and about something that is happening that is beyond words even. Right. And that flow that you're talking about. I worked a lot on touch because I agree with Eugene and I went to workshop after workshop. I saw a difference. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it wasn't until she gave me the first hug 
that I really felt what it was like to enjoy somebody's touch. And our son too. But her, the first hug from her, I guess some people are just meant to heal other people. Some people are jigsaw puzzles. Some people rescue you right back, you know, that thing. And I'm not trying to advocate for rescuing it. Hopefully you understand the idea mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, you know, we we feel that people, we attract people into our life for a reason, right? And that's exactly the, the point in time in your life where you needed each other mm. in order to heal, in order to get to that next level. And you could have chose to not, you know, take that opportunity, right? You could have chose to say, you know what, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to really open up Pandora's box, you know, I want I can keep that shut and really put the blinders on and go about life like the majority of people in our society today, right? To, to just normalize sexualization, normalize porn, normalize all of that stuff, which is rampant in our society today, and 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 not say, you know what, there's something wrong with this, and and I can't have a true loving connection with another human being, that's that's with trust and you know, acceptance, true acceptance without opening up Pandora's box and going there and, and healing everything that's inside. Yeah. I've worked with a lot of people who are exactly what you described. I have never been that person I go toward. And probably that's why I'm a coach. Probably that's why you, you are both doctors. It's, uh, it, it, I couldn't do it that way. I had a friend, dear friend, still a dear friend. Uh, but I had, uh, he had a girlfriend and he was a personal growth buddy of mine, if you will. So we would go to all these workshops together and he wanted to explain this kind of life, being honest and sincere about who you are and yourself with somebody. So she dated him. I liked the girl. And then she wrote him a note. The note was, I can't do this anymore. It's easier for me to go back to lying and pretending just like you said, mm -hmm. uh, that wouldn't be the easy way for me. That would be choosing pain. And you, mm -hmm. you said the word freedom. And I was like, is it freedom? That is free. I've mm -hmm. always been going toward freedom. When we lie, our nervous system tightens up. When we withhold, our nervous system tightens up. I ain't that guy. I'm not doing things that are going to make my nervous system go like this, especially after long COVID. Mm -hmm. My choices are those yeah i yeah. think that the people don't even know the cost that you're talking about they know the familiarity mm -hmm. of this false sense of protection by withholding and and not being true to who you are and be in the world and and the consequences of that which ultimately is freedom you know we use the analogy of an electric fence you know, if, if your dog's in the yard and they get near that electricity, they get a little uncomfortable. But the truth is, if they would tolerate it, they could be free. Yeah. But instead, they stay in that little place and they avoid that temporary pain at the cost of a really small life with a great lack of disconnection, great lack of connection. Mm -hmm. That's a double thing. I said it backwards. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably it's because they don't know that there's a payoff. They don't understand that if I do it this way, I right. get this. Because like you said, Gene, they've never had it. They have no reference point for it. And they, they have to tolerate the pain before they know what that payoff is. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's face it. Most people do not have one conversation in their lifetimes like you and I, or like us and we are having right now. Not one. That would be too scary. Right. Right. It's a fear of the unknown versus, you know, what you know. And if your entire life you have been taught that, you know, sex is connected with lying and with deception and, you know, all of that drama and chaos, well, that that becomes your known. And then you start seeking more of that out. Well, I think the other part that's really a primary factor is shame. Because shame, you're not going to have a conversation if you feel there's something fundamentally wrong with you or broken about you. And instead of 
something happened to you. It isn't who you are. Mm-hmm. That That's the hard thing. And you can't shame to the degree that we keep it a secret has power and leads to all sorts of addictions. And so to, you know, that's what a lot of addicts do. They go to meetings and they say, this is what I feel ashamed about. And everyone goes, great, we accept you. And that's part of that healing journey. And so I think that's a big block of having those conversations as well is you have to get the, all that gaslighting out of your head about that you are somehow wrong and not okay. Or broken. Yeah. I As many workshops as I did, as much work as I did on my sexuality. Now, granted, some of that time I, blo- I re-blocked it out. Uh, but as much work as I did, I never could go past the shame until I met her. And I was sitting here as you were talking, thinking, I wonder why that was. And again, I just go back to maybe some people were meant to be a circuit with. Some people were meant to, you know, I I did this science fair thing where I I made this little city with all these streetlights. And all you have to do is touch all the things to the battery and the town lights up. (laughs) That's what happened to me with her. You know, she gives my life luster. You know, Brene Brown, I believe, talks about this. And she says, you know, if you go to a therapist or you go to a workshop or you go to people in general, that's like a 40-watt light bulb. But when it's your bonded partner, it's a football stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. And that's why the 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 primary relationship of your life is that much potential, both of getting hurt and of healing. I think it was Sue Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Because we 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 talked to her. Remember, you said that to her. Uh, maybe, could be, could yeah. be either one. Um, but that that concept is really important. That you know what we're doing here in our relationship isn't just setting up shop and stuff. It's our greatest potential for growth in all areas, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Physically. We we talk about our concept of the inner sanctum. And if you, if you think of a bullseye, right, there's concentric circles, and then the center is the, is the bullseye. Well, that center, we call it the inner sanctum. Within that sanctum, that is where the couple creates the most amount of trust, the most amount of emotional safety and vulnerability that you could have with another human being. No one else exists in that circle except the couple. And in that, that sanctum, that is where you can find true acceptance, right? Acceptance not for who you are or who you show the world, but the things that you keep from the world. That's why, and I'll, I'll ask both of you, do you agree? For me, the most difficult aspect of starting up a coaching relationship in this particular category is that I have to enter that inner sanctum. And people have to trust you a lot to let you into that inner sanctum because there's the stuff that they don't want anyone to know about themselves. And I think we talked last time that, you know, I have a long history of people telling me things they don't tell other people. But how do you, let me, let me take the, if you, if you won't mind me being this bold, I'll take the hosting mantle for a second. What do you do to deal with those kinds of uh, clients when they're hesitant to let you into that inner sanctum? I would say we actually coach people to, you know, if, if we're going to call the inner sanctum, like the football game, we're on the sidelines. We want them developing their inner sanctum with their partner, Mm -hmm. not with us. And we see it in, in, you know, our therapists that work for us that we train and they want to go back and do an individual session and kind of like get back in there and like, no, you want them to stay connected to their partner and coach them in that arena. That's how and, I and, and I think that. that that's what's powerful about our model is that, you know, I work with the husbands individually and Jean works with the wives individually. And when we're working with them individually, that is where we are helping them turn towards their partner, helping them start to build that trust and that bond with their partner, you know, by coaching them from the sidelines. And then when we come together, the four of us, that is when we are coaching the couple as a couple Hmm. right so there's a lot of role modeling that that happens and you know in that way we're we're able to help them give them a framework and a role model to to you know kind of compare themselves to 
So this is what we need to create. This is what, you know, what we want to aspire to, to become. Yeah. So I think, I think we see into their inner sanctum, but we don't go in. That makes and the sense. going, the going in is physical touch and all sorts of other things that only their partner is a part of that. Mm -hmm. And that probably is why you have this desire now to work with couples as a couple and to bring that type of energy in, which is that that's how we started, you know, 25 years ago is working together because it was always that missing piece. And I can't teach a guy how to pee standing up. I don't have that kind of equipment. <laughs> and so having both of those is really important. And, you know, we've gotten, you know, some of the hot seat for having this point of view in our genderless world that we're in. You know, but we relate very differently as as the different genders on a biological level and on the way, you know, we have a eight-month-old granddaughter who responds very differently to a male voice than a female voice. It, it's innate in us, you know, and that and those pieces are really important. I can't confront the guys that we're working with. Mm -hmm. it, that's they've had enough of that. You know, that's that shouldn't be my role, and that's you know, and, and it, you know, we kind of see it as mother father role when we're working with, like we're reparenting. What do you, I'm going back to the, I get all what you're saying and I'm going back to the football analogy. So I, I get it. Me too. Do you prefer a replay of the football game as you're watching? Or do you prefer that it, let's say devolves or, or, or evolves? into an actual football game that you're watching, if you understand what I mean. Yep. It needs to be both. You have to go to the past to get to the future. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, and to understand the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My right. favorite coaching moments are when it starts to turn into an argument right there, and I get to, in real time, understand, oh, this is what this person was describing. Oh, this is what this person was describing. I get it now. I get both their points of view. I find that moment uh, kind of an honor to be a witness to, if that makes sense. Yeah, because there's either two winners or two losers. And a lot of times if couples are in a gridlock, they think I'm going to win. Well, there's no such thing. And to teach them that you're both wounded, you're both caring about each other, you both can win, you know, and that's, that's a really difficult concept. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of coaches and therapists make that part worse. Yeah, because they get dragged into being a referee, which is a natural tendency for couples that they, they want to get this outside perspective so that someone is going to agree with their point of view, right? But the turning point in a conflict, in any conflict in a couple, is if each person can clearly state their partner's position. If they can't do that, then there is no shift in that conflict. They will stay in that same cycle and repeat it over and over and over again and stay in their part of I am right, which we tell couples you're both right and you're both wrong. So <laughs> I will say I agree with one codicil, one asterisk, which is this couple that I worked with came to mind. The, the woman started to de-armor herself and admit that she had been lying. Now, when someone admits and takes responsibility for a conflict, I think that's another. In other words, I might, I might not be restating your point of view and understanding it, but I'm saying you have a point because I was lying. That's maybe another way of saying what you said, but that I always found that moment to be very fascinating. And I said to the guy in that moment, the one I'm thinking of, I said to him, he was starting to get upset and said, look, you've been lying. I'm like, hold on. If somebody is admitting that they're lying, they're undoing the mechanism. This is the end of the suffering right now. Let this happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's sort of like someone who is an enabler with an alcoholic. And then if the alcoholic stops drinking, they don't know what to do with that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's not Even though they think they want it. Or, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. We're so complicated, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, but we all want the same simple thing. I grew yeah. up, I had a mom and dad, and I didn't like the way they treated me uh, in most instances. In some ways, they're, they're, they, were, they were fine parents, but in 
in, in interpersonal communication, I did not like the way they treated me. But I got to see a love story, you guys. I got to see them smashing their shoulders, laughing to Johnny Carson. On, and I would crawl out in the shutters after my bedtime and watch them. I'd watch them like have a French press in the kitchen. And I'd be like, because that was a little dating area they had. And I'd be like, okay, well, I would do this differently. I would do that. But wow, it's a gift to have parents who love each other. I know, despite everything I went through, that was a gorgeous movie to watch that most people do not get. For sure, for sure. And, you know, I one thing that is really important to us is that, and I appreciate you guys being very candid, you know, throughout this interview too, because the, the one thing that we are, it's very important to us is that we are candid, right? That we can't teach it unless we live it. And, you know, people who, you know, want to come on our podcast or they work with relationships and a relationship coach and, you know, relationship expert, we ask them to bring their partner on, you know, and they're, you'd be surprised or maybe you won't be maybe about I the would. number of people out there who won't, they won't bring their partner on, you know, and, and it's and like, if right, you, Dr. you say at that point, do this. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're not willing to showcase your relationship, then how can you coach other people in their relationship? Right. Relationships are not perfect. Absolutely not. Right. They're far from perfect. In fact, they're designed to not be because we have to constantly grow. We have to constantly evolve and change. And we do that, do, you know, working together as a couple. And if a person isn't willing to showcase that, and they want to show themselves as being perfect. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't think that that's you know genuine. Well, it becomes anecdotal, and it's they haven't had the experience, so they're still guessing at it. And there's nothing logical about relationships, so it doesn't work. And all it does, I think, is reshame people. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. 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 It was. We definitely were not in an argument last night, but with the situation we were talking about. I told her I was frustrated and I said, I'm not blaming you, but I, the being me is frustrated with you. And I went downstairs here and laid, we have a big beanbag chair there and laid, and she came down and checked. And I'm like, she, I think she had emotions going on about it. Yeah. Oh no, we work through stuff. It's not all, what do they say? Sunshines and rainbows. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but even when it's rain clouds, let me see. Sunshine would be rain cloud, whatever. <laughs> When, even when it's the opposite of that, even when it's like thunderstorm, you know, yeah, okay, good thunderstorms. Uh, she's a pleasure to work things out. This one, she's a pleasure to work things out. Always. One of the things that you, because I came into this relationship with all of those conditions, all of that um, lying to myself stuff. So him, with his expertise and his self growth and everything your experience in life, you brought a lot to my journey. And one of the things that I learned from him was listen to understand. Mm. And so that's, that's what I bring now. So I'm listening to understand where your frustration is coming from and understand, you know, what is going on for you that's causing you this to, to be upset and lose sleep at night. And I want to understand not just so that I can, you know, show you compassion and acceptance, but so that I can know you on a deeper level. Yeah. So that we can, you know, right, nurture that bond more and more. The emotional weather report that somebody's sharing is simply the truth. It doesn't mean any more than that unless you put a meaning to it. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the the trick. Do you guys remember, like for me, and and it was about. 18 years into our relationship that I had that moment that I could actually trust him. Mm. And, and, and the lack of trust is, is his, historical pre him, right. you know, and, and all the way out. And it took me a very, very long time. And, you know, when, when people would talk about trusting a partner, I was like, what would that even feel like? And I remember the day, you know, and it was, I'm a runner. So if I'm upset about something, I take off and I never had a, a thought or a concern about the impact that had on him. I just need my safety and protection fight flight. Yeah, I'm right. clear. And, and one day he was saying how painful that was for him when I would do that. 
And I, I thought he really didn't care or didn't feel much. And I never knew. And then, and then I really had to look at that. And so that's the hardest part when you're in the middle of the game and you're in pain and you're upset by something and you have to remind yourself that your partner's not a monster. <laughs> and, and you have to remember that they care about you and that they want what you want. Yeah. What was that like for you, Doc? Um, there was a pain in my stomach that went away. Okay. And I mean, your husband, what was that yeah. like for you to be loving this person who couldn't ever quite trust you and you can feel it on an unconscious level, but it's hard to articulate. Well, it, you know, it, it brings up the two greatest fears in, in a relationship is a fear of abandonment and fear of rejection. So, you know, to feel that all the time, you know, every single time, it, it, it doesn't give you this sense of certainty. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, that is something that all couples really have to, have to face, that fear of abandonment or of rejection and in many different forms, right? Because we all experience it in different ways. And then we play that out in our relationship. So, you know, the way we played it out is we obviously had to had to learn as 18 years into the relationship, you know, that we had to really heal it. And I there think that's the payoff of the pain of the electric fence. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Is, is to have a person that you no longer doubt that they love and care about you and have your back and, and they're a safe person. Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of unsafety in the world and the power to hurt is that person too. So to feel safe with someone who has that much power because you care about them to hurt you and you go, I am going to be all invulnerable, take a risk here. And there's a consistency of, but they're not taking that power and using it against me which has happened to most people most of their lives with their parents, their siblings, their partners, their friends, been that betrayal that we have to have that in, in that inner sanctum in this world is the most incredible thing you can have. I, I think on this planet. I agree. So Gene, despite your issues around issues, meaning just stuff you had to work through, despite your issues around trust, did you know it was Dr. Ray instantly or quickly? Or how did you know that he was the human being for you? You know, we, we talk about this in our Relationship 101 course, is that when two human beings come together, there's, there's a merger. And the first part of the merger is physical, where you want to be in proximity to each other. You want to set up a house together. You want to touch each other. It's, it's pretty physical at that point. And there's a very long period of time that's mental. Can I trust you? Are you going to work? Are you bringing home a paycheck? Are you doing what you say, meaning what you say, all that kind of stuff? That's a, that, that's a long period of time, that mental merger. And then you hit the emotional and the spiritual. And that, that is also, I think, part of a developmental part of our brain that you have to get your brain develops to a certain place where the things that you could tolerate or didn't matter so much in the mental merger become completely unacceptable mm -hmm. in the emotional and spiritual merger because you're no longer tolerating. And, you know, for me, menopause is a huge shift in that for, for me and the way my brain worked and, and, and us, cause I'm a little bit older than you. So I was <laughs> a little ahead of the curve. Right. Well, I went through my own menopause. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> so it's 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 different in those different things that develop over the course of a relationship and over a course of a lifetime. But I knew right away when we were together that you were safe. You didn't lie. You you were trustworthy on that physical level and the mental level. Mm -hmm. It's it's the emotional spiritual that took a really long time i can relate to that yeah makes sense and what about you, what about you dr ray same well you know for me that fear of rejection and abandonment was huge and so you know i struggled for a while for a long time you know with with porn and i've talked about this in past podcasts and everything too because that was a connection that that minimized that risk of abandonment and minimize that risk of rejection. 
right? It was just a false sense of acceptance, right? But it wasn't an acceptance that was going to be taken away. And so to be in a relationship where that risk was very prominent, right? I was talking about that, that uncertainty, you know, that made me face that, that wound over and over and over again, mm. you know, and, and stay with it and stick with it and learn to heal it with her, you know? And so we, we believe that like attracts like, you know, couples come together who are equally attractive, equally intelligent and equally wounded just in different ways. Right. Yeah. And so the opportunity there is to help each other heal those wounds. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, I would say one of the things that made me know it was her is because I found her more attractive than anything in adult content video. Not that I'm sitting around looking for what's the most attractive. I'm sitting around looking for places where I can feel safe to express this part of my psyche with her. And I want to say, because I think we have to pick up our son fairly yeah, soon. You could, you gotta so I that. wanted to say, I don't know if this is a place where you'd want to wrap it up, but you, you use the analogy twice of the pet, you know, the, uh, what do you call the electric fence? The dog. So I tried it once. I held it. I'm like, I wonder how much an animal suffers. And I walked out and I heard what sounded like a cricket chirping. And then it zapped me. Now, I will tell you, if I didn't know a person like this was out there, I don't know if I ventured beyond that fence either. Right. I, I want to say to your listeners, we're two couples that I can say without any fear of sounding insincere or being insincere, we love each other. There are There is a person for you out there, whether it's the person you're with right now or not, only you know and they know, but you can venture beyond that fence. Just because it hurts does not mean there isn't freedom, as you said, Dr. Ray, beyond that fence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you want to ask them their last question? What is it your partner does that you know they love you? Ooh. Exudes a frequency that I find constantly soothing pleasing and fulfilling by her very existence. I know she loves me. Can I just say the same exact thing? <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> yeah. it's this. There's this, it, this is, you know, going on between us. Yep. There's no Luke. chop. Yeah. There's no chopping of the circuit. That's how I, I know and trust. And that's how I feel loved by him. It's constant. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have that, plugged in feeling it, you instantly go into fight or flight. Yeah. 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 And, and Marshall, can you, um, can you let our listeners know where they could learn more about you and the work that you do? Yes. Now I'll give you my website and then to your assistant, Angela, I sent a, and I, I hope you don't mind me saying her name on, on the podcast, but yeah. I sent a link tree. So she said she'd put it on the show notes. So my name is spelled Marshall with two L's. And the last name Z as in zebra, W E I G as in George dot com. Uh, and I would uh, love to listen to anyone who has something to talk about. And we'll see if, uh, if our interaction would be right for you. And I must say, I have extreme gratitude that, you're, that the audio did not work out last time. I Me too. am much more <laughs> pleased with this interaction. Me too. Absolutely. Everything happens for a reason. Everything yes. happens for a reason. Einstein was right. He was one smart guy. <laughs> you know, people have been sharing their stories since the beginning of time to bond and heal and grow. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. I hope so too. And, th and, and to your listeners, whether or not we ever interact, I am sending you love and wish, and as I probably all four of us are, and wishing you all the best on your journey. Mm. Fantastic. Well, Heather and Marshall, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We want to thank all of you listeners for joining us on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoy the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, 
please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com for more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the home study course, the Couples Relationship Enhancement Weekend, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.